Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first of our podcast series, Around the World with Navigator, where we canter through the latest quarterly update of the Navigator services. My name's Russell Afifi of the Navigator team, and today I'm joined by my colleague, John Paul Zamet of the firm's cross-border unit, or CBU, which produces and maintains bespoke guidelines or rules of the road for clients doing cross-border business. Thank you, Russell. So tell me about what changed for May 2021 from a licensing perspective. So in Australia, there was an extension of the transitional periods in relation to foreign financial service providers or FFFPs needing to obtain a license to provide financial services in Australia to wholesale clients. The exemptions being where foreign providers rely on sufficient equivalence relief or limited connection relief. This transitional period was due to expire on the 31st of March 2022, but has been extended for 12 months to the 31st of March 2023. Yes, interestingly, in May 2021 budget papers, the government said it will consult on options to restore the previous regulatory relief for entities who are regulated in other jurisdictions. The relief is limited to entities that deal with wholesale clients and professional investors only. Thank you. Um, And then in Luxembourg, whilst lending to the public is a regulated activity under Luxembourg law, there's been no clear legal definition of the public. But the local regulators now updated its FAQs to clarify what it considers to be lending to the public, making this position much clearer by including an upper threshold for the loan amount of three million euro and noting that a licensing requirement will not be triggered where loans are granted exclusively to professionals. And finally, we have New Zealand, where a new regulatory regime for financial advice became effective in mid-March. And though it will seem from the navigator highlighting that a lot has changed, essentially the licensing position hasn't really moved and the license is required for cross-border business unless an exemption applies, like the activity is provided to wholesale clients only. Um, However, the scope of certain licensing safe harbours has been amended and certain terms have been redefined. And what about the Americas, Russell? So in Jamaica, we've added a note that a licensing requirement should not be triggered for pure marketing, which includes generic information. Anguilla payment services are in fact a regulated activity and may trigger a licensing requirement. And in Guyana, licensing may be triggered where activities are carried out on a flying basis, but not for reaching. Previously, it was considered that cross-border generally was okay. Um, the local regulators now active in enforcing licensing breaches. Don't you have a council podcast coming soon? Yes, we do. Um, but to put that into some context first, we've seen a tightening of the toleration in Saudi. The investment products and corporate finance services already mentioned the licensing toleration regarding the defined term CMA letters issued to certain government entities. Council already noted that this practice could change at any time and any changes to the toleration would likely not be made public. But having spoken recently to the regulator, the contact indicated that this policy is under review and could be subject to more restrictive rules. So there could be more regulatory enforcement of licensing requirements for business with government agencies in the context of wider policies to encourage foreign entities to register in the market. We're indeed holding a webinar on the 8th of July at 12 p.m. BST, where we'll be joined by our Saudi Council to discuss this and other regional issues. Subscribers should have recently received emails to register for the event.
to address that at this point nothing changes in practice and offshore firms continue to rely on the existing tolerated practices in Saudi. Um, moving to another topic, what about marketing exemption changes? Well, in the Philippines, the definition of qualified buyer has been expanded, so a larger range of investors can be offered financial products in the jurisdiction. And in Chile, a couple of recent law changes has seen an additional limb added to the private offer exemption, which avoids both licensing and marketing restrictions, being an offer addressed to no more than 50 investors that are not qualified investors. And there's also been a reduction in the pre-existing private offer exemption category regarding offer size. Thanks, Russell. All these changes effectively make the private placement in these jurisdictions wider. We can't go up without mentioning Brexit. What do you have from that perspective? Well, for Gibraltar, we now have the post-Brexit transition versions of the documents available, and they include the passport-like regime for UK entities to continue accessing the Gibraltar market without being subject to separate licensing. For EEA-based firms that notified the regulator by the end of 2020 of their intention to continue operating, a temporary permissions regime is available until the end of this year. And Sweden is proposing to permanently implement the existing TPR into Swedish law from the 1st of January 2022 for UK authorised firms, where the only investment service provided in Sweden is trading on own account, as noted in our Brexit tracker. And in the share disclosure world, what are the main developments? Some temporary short selling trading and enhanced foreign investment restrictions introduced after COVID remain in effect or have been extended and details are found in our tracker on the share disclosure page. Thank you. What are the main themes in terms of changes this quarter? So foreign investment restrictions, there have been amendments or new restrictions or screening for foreign investment in various jurisdictions in Europe, largely in response to the FDI regulation. Also in Iceland, the implementation of TD2 came into effect on the 1st of May. And secondly, the beneficial owner disclosure obligations, again, new or amended obligations to either proactively or reactively provide information on their holdings to certain entities, including in the Czech Republic, Liechtenstein and Brunei. And any upcoming changes in share disclosure? Yes, in the EU, ESMA announced on the 20th of May that it had recommended to the Commission that the notification threshold for net short positions on shares to national competent authorities be permanently lowered from 0.2 to 0.1%, but there's no expected timing on the Delegated Act bringing this into effect. Further foreign investment or sector-based screening regimes are scheduled or expected across Europe and in Qatar, a draft law was approved in April allowing foreign shareholders to own up to 100% of the capital of companies listed on the QSE, which is up from the current 49% limit, but again, timing is unclear. We need to know what else is coming down the line. Tell me what's on your radar. The big one in the funds world is undoubtedly the cross-border distribution of investment funds looming large on the landscape for the 2nd of August this year. Our new CBDF tracker, available as a key link from the Europe Funds homepage, has been expanded to cover numerous topics with an emphasis on pre-marketing. And our recent EU dialogue webinar on the CBDF is also available from that tracker page. 
uh, we'll be adding other items in the August update cycle, like official or accepted languages in member states for marketing communications. On the 1st of July, the UK extended the current PRIPS KID exemption for USITs to the 31st of December 2026. So this is the first large divergence from EU financial services rules since Brexit. The exemption in the EU currently runs to the end of this year, expected to be extended to 30th of June 2022. And just keeping on the funds theme, the Hong Kong Thailand mutual recognition of funds will facilitate cross-border public offering of funds between the two countries and is expected to become effective this year. In the, new, in the Ukraine, we have a new financial instruments law that comes into effect on the 1st of July and will enable offshore entities to apply for cross-border license as investment firms without establishing a branch or subsidiary in the jurisdiction as currently. And finally, in Chile, a recent law provides that investment advisory services will become a regulated activity, uh, but this new regime is subject to secondary regulation and the timing's also unclear. Thank you, Russell. That is quite a long list. Um, conclusively, the three teams um, about anything else we might need to know really quickly in possibly 30 seconds. <laughs> so product intervention. We've seen the Bahamas follow example set temporarily by ESMA and then implemented across member states being the restriction on marketing CFDs and the prohibition on the issue and distribution of binary options to retail clients. That binary option ban has also been introduced in Australia. FX restrictions, we continue to see FX changes in particular in South America, such as Chile, where the settlement of cross-border derivative transactions in Chile and Peso is now permitted. And the funds passport, um, the Philippines has been added to the ASEAN CIS framework alongside existing members, Singapore, Malaysia and Thailand, which allows reciprocal access to retail investors under a streamlined process. But Further implementing legislation is needed to affect the framework in the Philippines. That was it. Thank you very much for listening to our first podcast.